Now, for those who don't know me, I am um, here, well, I've been here for about six months now. Um, I was looking at my employment contract the other day, and in fact, probably a couple of days ago, I just finished my six-month probationary period. Um, so, in other words, I, on my contract, if, if something happened, um, I could have been, my employment could have been terminated, but I'm, I'm safe now, I think, I hope. Um, but, yeah, so it's, it's been really awesome. So I've been here for about six months. I'm fresh not only to the school, but, uh, and not only to this role, but to the state as well. So if you were here last time I was sharing, I shared a couple of pictures and a couple of um, uh, photos and things like that of where I came from before, which was down in Mildura, down in Victoria. I was there for six years before moving up here. Um, but I'm going to get into the message now, and this is part two of a series called The Hold of Shame. Now, can I just see a show of hands uh, briefly? Who was here last week for the message last week? Okay, for those of you, you'd be quite familiar with this topic already because Pastor Sarah shared a little bit about it. Um, But we're going to go further into this topic a little bit more today as well. So the big idea is this, and I've put it up on the screen because I'm a visual person, um, and I know some of you are as well. And so the big idea for this message is to silence the voice of shame by renewing our minds. It begins with changing the stories we tell ourselves about who we are and who God is. This is the big idea that I hope through Scripture and through the Spirit this morning um, we, can, we can address. Now I have a couple of photos up here. Who likes elephants? Anyone like elephants? My wife loves elephants. Um, and, and something you might have heard about elephants is that they drink water through their nose like a straw, through their trunk like a, like, a, like a straw. Have you ever heard that saying before? What about this? Have you ever heard the saying, you're as blind as a bat? Or you've heard the saying that bats are blind. Have you heard that one before? How about this one? Have you heard that when an ostrich gets really scared or frightened um, about something, it, it plonks its head in the sand and it, it, it tries to pretend, because it can't see anything, that also means that Nothing else can see it. Have you heard that before? Um, What about this one, that if you touch a toad, you'll get warts? Have you heard that one? Now, I have to break the news to you. All of these are actually misconceptions. All of these are not true. In fact, an elephant does not drink water through its trunk like a straw. It, It sucks it up into its nose, and then it puts it into its mouth, and it drinks it through its mouth. Um, And... A bat is not actually completely blind. In fact, they prefer, when they're navigating through the air, they prefer to use sound as a means of navigating through the air, but they're not actually blind. How about ostriches? Ostrich, the ostrich, when it gets scared or when it gets frightened of something, it doesn't plonk its head in the sand, but in fact it lays down on its side pretending that it's dead. Slightly different. And toads... You may have heard this time and time again, but by touching a toad, you don't necessarily get warts. Unless maybe you're in the Amazon rainforest or something, there's lots of types of toads and frogs and poisonous things that are out to get you, maybe. But in general, touching a toad, you don't necessarily get warts. And so I want to draw on this point here that when we're talking about the hold of shame, when we're talking about this topic, sometimes we hear things over and over again 
that are not necessarily true, but because we hear them so often, we start to believe that they are the truth. And I love this quote here, and I might have shared it last time as well, but it says this. It says, the greatest prison that you could ever live in is the fear of what other people think of you. The greatest prison that you could ever find yourself in is the fear of what other people think of you. Is it possible that when we're talking about this topic of shame, of guilt, is it possible that maybe us too often listen to the voices of lies towards us and we hear it repeated so often that we start to believe that it's true for our lives as well? Is it possible? Some people live their entire lives based on the opinions of others. I was one of those people growing up as a, as a teenager. I based the way that I lived my life on the opinions of my friends and my peers at school. Some people allow the lies that they hear about themselves to dictate how they live their lives. Some of us hear the lies that people tell us over and over again that we start to believe they're true and we allow it to shape our identity. The stories we tell ourselves, the stories we tell others about, uh, that, that, that others tell about us, t- um, take rest in our minds. The more we repeat these stories, the deeper they become ingrained into our entire being. And it's kind of like that with shame. Shame tells us that we can never change. Shame tells us that I'm bound by the mistakes that I've made in my life. Shame tells me or wants me to believe that I'm never going to be good enough. Shame tells me to isolate myself because of the fear of what other people think. Shame tells me that I'm rejected. It tells me that I should doubt myself. I should doubt my abilities. This is the hold of shame. Now, there is a key text that I'd love for us to turn to this morning, and it's found in Romans chapter 12. I think I have it up on the screen. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Now, last time I shared, I also emphasized the importance of having a Bible on you. Now, I'm not here this morning to, to you know, find the people that don't have their Bibles and, and stone them or anything along those lines. But what I am here to say is that it is important for us to, to open up, especially during the message segment, because it holds me accountable to what I'm saying as well. And so some of you might have a physical Bible. Some of you might have a Bible on your phone. If you don't have either of those two, that's also okay. Maybe see, just look around the room. There might be someone sitting closely by you. Get them to maybe share their phone screen with you or share their Bible with you so that you can follow along. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2, when we're talking about this idea of shame, because I'd like to suggest that a lot of us have had this experience at one time or another. We've had these feelings of shamefulness, of guilt, of when we've made a mistake and done the wrong thing, we've felt guilty about it. And, and, and there's this risk of, of going down into this, into this bottomless pit of, of pity, of lacking self-worth, etc., etc. And so I love the writings of Paul here where he talks about um, addressing this, I believe. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, read it with me if you've got it, or follow along, I should say. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Verse 2, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. 
Then you will learn to know God's will for your life, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see, God wants us to transform by the way of our thinking. He wants to change us, mold us, shape us by changing the way that we think. It starts with changing the way that we think about ourselves and our situation. And so going back to this big idea, silencing the voice of shame by renewing our minds. It begins with changing the stories that we tell ourselves and about who we are and about who God is. And so there's a slide that I want to share right now. It's a video slide. It it only takes two minutes, but it just helps emphasize this, this power in the fact that you can change and rewire the way that you think. You might be someone who, like I shared before, tells yourself that, you know what, I can never be good enough. Maybe you are someone, like I shared before, that are a prisoner to shame, telling yourself that you are bound by the mistakes that you've made in your life. You are bound by the history that you have. You are bound to believe that you're never going to be good enough. You have to isolate yourself. You have to doubt yourself and your abilities. If that is you, let's watch this video here because it it gives us the scientific explanation into the fact that we can rewire and change our mindset and our thoughts. Not so long ago, many scientists believed that the brain did not change after childhood, that it was hardwired and fixed by the time we became adults. But recent advances in only the last decade now tell us that this is simply not true. The brain can and does change throughout our lives. It is adaptable, like plastic. Hence, neuroscientists call this neuroplasticity. How does neuroplasticity work? If you think of your brain as a dynamic, connected power grid, there are billions of pathways or roads lighting up every time you think, feel, or do something. Some of these roads are well-traveled. These are our habits, our established ways of thinking, feeling, and doing. Every time we think in a certain way, practice a particular task, or feel a specific emotion, we strengthen this road. It becomes easier for our brains to travel this pathway. Say we think about something differently, learn a new task, or choose a different emotion. We start carving out a new road. If we keep traveling that road, our brains begin to use this pathway more, and this new way of thinking, feeling, or doing becomes second nature. The old pathway gets used less and less and weakens. This process of rewiring your brain by forming new connections and weakening old ones is neuroplasticity in action. The good news is that we all have the ability to learn and change by rewiring our brains. If you have ever changed a bad habit, or thought about something differently, you have carved a new pathway in your brain and experienced neuroplasticity firsthand. With repeated and directed attention towards your desired change, you can rewire your brain. So I don't know about you, but what that is suggesting to us there is that we can change the way that we think. And when we reflect on these verses in Romans 12, God is basically sharing with us and saying that God wants to transform us into a new person by changing the way that we think. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it talks about taking our thoughts captive. 
And then again in Philippians 4 verse 8, it talks about fixing your thoughts on things that are whatsoever is true, whatsoever is honorable. You, you sort of, some of you may be familiar with that text. And so the challenge is this, not to live your life as a prisoner of the whispers of the enemy. Shame wants us to dwell, wants us to fixate on our mistakes, on our addictions. Shame wants us to fixate and, and to focus on the things that people say about us. But God wants us to overcome the hold of shame by changing the way that we think. And I love this quote here that says this, our true identity is found when we stop being who we are and start becoming who God created us to be. I really love that quote. You see, healing begins when we recognize our identity in Christ. Healing begins when we make the deliberate, conscious, intentional decision to allow God into the dark places of our lives and allow Him to renew our minds and change our destructive patterns. And so this morning, I hope that this is kind of like your mantra, but it is time to change the narrative of your life. It is time to remove the hold of shame from your identity. It's time this morning to interrupt shame's force or, or, or shame, shame's free reign in your brain. Now, I do have this morning some practical tips. There's no point in me sharing this mantra and saying it's time to change the narrative of your life. It's time to, to remove the hold of shame on your identity if I'm not also equipping you with some practical tips. And so we're going to go through these one by one. There are 10 of them in total. I'm not saying this is the solution to all of your problems, but hopefully there may be some tips here that may be helpful for you when you're struggling with your own personal um, battles with shame and guilt in your life. So the first one up on the screen there is self-compassion. Be gentle with yourself when you make mistakes. That's point number one. Point number two, or tip number two, identify negative self-talk. Pay attention to the negative thoughts that you have about yourself and challenge them. Replace self-criticism with self-encouragement. This is really, really important because sometimes you might find yourself automatically speaking negatively towards yourself in the way that you perform. Maybe it's professionally. Maybe in your personal life, you have these negative thoughts. Maybe you find yourself in a bit of a difficult situation when you wake up in the morning and automatically your, your brain's response is to go into this negative spiral downwards. But that's point number two. Identify the negative self-talk and replace it with self-encouragement. Point number three, talk to someone you trust. This is a really difficult one. This is easier said than done. If you are someone who is struggling with specific types of shame or guilt in your life, this is a tough one. But often sharing your feelings of shame with a trusted friend or family member and simply talking about it can actually provide some relief. In other words, as, as Pastor Sarah was talking about last week, you're not alone in this journey. There are others around you that are, that are more than willing to support you to help you through those processes. Tip number four, seek professional help. Consider speaking with a therapist or a counselor if the shame is causing significant stress and overwhelming you. They can provide guidance and strategies to help you. It's okay to reach out. It's okay to, to, to ask for, for help 
from a friend or even from a professional. Tip number five, maintain patience. Overcoming shame, shame is a process that often requires patience and time. Tip number six, journal about it. Sometimes journaling your thoughts and feelings can give you further insight, track your progress, and even find closure. There's an activity that I love to do that I've found revolutionary for me personally in my own mental health, and it's this thing called brain dumping. I don't know if anyone's heard of that before, but it's where, you know, I don't know, can anyone resonate with this? You've gotten to, to the end of a really long day, a busy day, you, you're, you're, you're in your pajamas or whatever, you're jumping into bed, and you, for the life of you, no matter what you try, you cannot go to sleep. Your, your brain is just racing a million miles of hour, and you're thinking about, oh, did I, did I say the right thing to this person today? What about this thing that's coming up? What about this, this, and this? Can anyone resonate with that? Can anyone relate to that? And so this, this technique of brain dumping is where you take a blank piece of paper and a pen or a pencil, and you write down every single thing that is on your mind. Now, there may be some relevant things, like, you know, my deadline that's coming up for work. But there may be some random things in your brain, but you're encouraged to just write down anything and everything that's in your mind. If it's unicorns, then write down unicorns on that piece of paper. It doesn't have to make sense, but you just put everything down on that piece of paper. And then what you do is you take that piece of paper and you have a look at it. And you say, all right, what are the things that are valid to be in my mind or on my mind right now? Now, I guarantee you, you will be able to narrow down that list to just a few different things, a handful of things. And so you separate that list and you put that, okay, yep, that's, that's valid, that's justified. Yes, that should be on my mind right now because that's coming up or whatever, or whatever. But you'll find that there are a whole bunch of other things that are completely out of your control that fill up space in your brain. And so you keep that on that separate piece of paper. And this is the cool part about this activity. You take that piece of paper, you scrunch it up, you light it on fire, you stomp on it, you do whatever you need to do to symbolize that you are getting rid of that from your brain because those are things that you have identified, you have no control over, you cannot change the outcome over, what is the point of me stressing and worrying about it? And, and, it's, and it's such a liberating thing. So if you've never done that before, I encourage you next time that you can't sleep, take a blank piece of paper and just dump everything down on that piece of paper that's in your brain. And yeah, let me know about it. It doesn't work for everyone, but um, journal about it. Yeah, share, and, and it might be a great thing to, to look back on. I know my wife and I, we, we journaled when we were, started dating about six, six, seven years ago now. And we found those journals not too long ago in the process of us moving up here to Queensland. And it's just remarkable reflecting on your progress, re reflecting on the things that, that were challenging you at that point in time of your life versus now. And it's like, oh, some of those things, that's a walk in a park now. But other things might be still relevant. So journal about it is tip number six. Tip number seven, forgiveness. And I've put in brackets there, including self-forgiveness. Sometimes we find it easier to forgive others, but not to forgive ourselves for the shame, for the guilt, for the things that we've done, the, mis the mistakes that we've made. And so there's an importance of forgiving yourself and others who have hurt you as a means of letting go of the shame that has a hold on you. Tip number eight, embrace community support. It's important to connect into a community that is a safe, non-judgmental environment 
for you to be open about your shame and be supported, held accountable, and encouraged to grow. Now, I'm not saying that next time you come to Refresh next week that you have to openly tell everyone about your deepest, darkest secrets and the shame that you're experiencing. No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is being in part of a, a supportive community of people that can, that can help you through those processes. They don't necessarily need to know about it, but that can, that can potentially be helpful in you overcoming this hold of shame on your life. Tip number nine, spend time in Scripture. Even consider writing down biblical affirmations to dwell on that addresses your inner shame story and helps, uh, sorry, my eyes are pretty bad, and helps reroute those thoughts to God's truth. Something that my wife and I did for a little bit of time is, uh, well, my wife should take the credit for it. She's not here, so she'd be saying, hey, that's, you didn't make that idea up. Anyway, in our mirror, in our bathroom, my wife would take uh, permanent markers or uh, whiteboard markers, and she would write affirmations up there on, on the mirror. So the first thing that we would see when we come into the bathroom in the morning to use the bathroom or brush our teeth or whatever it was, is we'd see these affirmations, you are enough you are loved, and Bible verses and Scripture. And it's just so powerful. And so I'd encourage you to spend time in Scripture looking for the promises that God has on offer. You know, this week, um, spending time in the primary classes, I had the opportunity to go to a few classes, sing a couple of songs, tell a bit of a story. And there's this little devotional book. You may, have know, uh, may know of it. It's by Louis Giglio. Or Louis, I was going to say Louis Gigliotti, but that's Simon Gigliotti I'm thinking about. Louis Giglio. And it's this little devotional for kids about science and God. And there's one devotional that talks about the rainbow. And a fun little fact for you, um, the planet Saturn has 53 moons. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. One of those moons is called Titan. And on that moon, rainbows occur. They're not the type of rainbows that occur on Earth where, you know, you have, um, you know, water droplets up in the sky, the, la the, the light particles hit it and it bounces off and then you have these I'm sounding really smart right now, aren't I? But I'm not. Um, and, and, and it causes a rainbow. But up there in, on, on, this, on this moon called Titan, it's, it's not the water droplets or the, or the moisture from the water droplets. It's actually from this gas called methane. So it's, it's actually poisonous to humans. But there's rainbows that appear, that nonetheless. And the point of, of sharing that story was that God's promises are not only um, applicable to Noah and to this earth, but God's promises are universal. When you think of the story of Noah and God placed that rainbow in the sky and said, Noah, I promise to you, this is my covenant to you. When we look at the universe and we can see that there was a rainbow there on a moon called Titan surrounding the planet of Saturn, it's amazing to think that God's promises are not only applicable to you and I, but God's promises are universal. And so spend time in Scripture looking through God's promises when we're talking about shame and guilt. And last step, tip number 10, spend time in prayer and reflection. Take your shame and guilt to God in prayer and ask for Him to remind you of your identity and your worth in Him. And so to recap, these are the 10 tips for some of you who like to see them all on the one slide. There's the 10 tips from 1 to 10. Self-compassion, identify negative self-talk, 
Talk to someone you trust. Seek professional help. Maintain patience. Journal about it. Forgiveness, including self-forgiveness. Embrace community support. Spend time in Scripture and spend time in prayer and reflection. These are some of the ways in which you can help let go of that hold of shame in your life. Some of us here today have experienced, and, 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 I, and I share this with sincerity, but some of us here today have experienced serious abuse at some point in our lives. Some of you have experienced trauma that has deeply wounded you. Some of you have heard the words of someone, maybe it's a close family member, maybe it's a close friend, or maybe it's just a random person, but you've heard the words of someone saying something to you that have left deep scars of shame. Maybe some of us have felt the weight of our mistakes to be unbearable and overwhelming. But can you imagine the weight of guilt that Adam and Eve felt when they took of that fruit and they ate of it? Pastor Sarah touched on this a little bit um, last week, where Adam and Eve, the moment they realized that they made, they made this mistake, the moment they realized that the shame had overcome them, this guilt had overcome them, what did they do? The Bible tells us in uh, Genesis 3 verse 7, I think it was, that they, that they sowed, or maybe it's Genesis eight, uh, 3 verse 8, but they sowed these fig leaves together to try and cover up their shame and their guilt, to cover up their nakedness. I can't imagine what that would have been like. But this is such a perfect example with the point that I'm trying to reiterate today about this hold of shame in our lives. How we often try to fix things for ourselves, or we try to avoid it altogether, or maybe we try to hide from it and pretend it's not even there, just like Adam and Eve did. They hid themselves from, from the presence of God. But there is a beautiful message of God's love and saving grace found in this illustration, or this interaction, I should say, with Adam and Eve. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, it talks about, it tells us about how God clothed them with animal skin. I really love, I really love this one verse, and it's only a very small verse, and then it just jumps on and it just continues on, um, talking about other things and how they were they were um, cast out of the Garden of Eden and everything else. But this one little verse is such a beautiful verse that I wish there was more to it. But it talks about how God clothed them with animal skin. Now, the more that you study into this, the more that you recognize that there's so much symbolism there with the sacrifice of Christ. Can you imagine Adam and Eve bearing the weight of their guilt and their sin and their shame and seeing God kill that animal to clothe them. I mean, they had never experienced death before. They didn't know what that looked like. And so firstly, it's a representation of Christ's sacrifice, as I mentioned for us. But secondly, it's a beautiful picture of a God whose boundless love is for us. In that even in our best efforts to overcome the shame and the guilt in our lives... We fail to mask it. We fail to hide it. All of those shames and, 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 and guilts that we, that we experience. God clothed the shame and covered their sinfulness with His righteousness. And I love that when you look at the original translation of this, um, it, it uses the word that it clothed, they, they were clothed with these tunics. And when you study further into it, it wasn't just like an apron covering 
made of, of animals' clothing, but it was actually a covering that went from their wrists all the way down to their ankles. Isn't that a beautiful message in that? That, that God not only clothed them with the symbolism of the sacrifice of, of, of an innocent animal, but He clothed them from head to toe. He, in other words, He covered, fully covered their shame, their nakedness, their guilt, their sin. The Bible tells us that we are saved by grace through faith. So what's the story for your life this morning? Because I want you to know that God wants to create a new story for your life. He wants to transform and renew your mind. He wants to give you victory over the shame and the guilt that you experience. And so this should be your new story. I am not bound by my history. I am not doomed by my mistakes. I am not destined to pass down the same brokenness to the next generation. Because I am free by the boundless love and redeeming power of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who silences the voice of shame in my life, who renews and transforms my mind, who reminds me of who I am in His eyes, and who clothes me with His righteousness. This is my story. This is my song. And I hope it is yours as well this morning. Please remember about God and His redeeming power. May God bless you. Let's just bow our heads as we close off with a word of prayer this morning. Our loving Father, we just want to thank you for this topic of shame. We thank you because it brings upon us this, this vulnerability. And Lord, for some of us, it's, it, it makes us feel uncomfortable when we think about the guilt and the sin and the struggles of our life. But Lord, I just pray that you may release the hold of shame from our lives, that you may remind us that through your boundless love, we are free. Remind us, Lord, that this can be our prayer for our lives, that we don't need to be bound up by the mistakes of our past. We don't need to be bound up by our history, but that we can be free through you. We thank you, Lord, for loving us. Please give us the courage to reach out to those around us. If we need to seek professional help, help us to have the courage to do that also. But Lord, all in all, please hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.